Welcome to Fed Talks, a Baker Tilly podcast. Baker Tilly is an advisory tax and assurance firm dedicated to serving the needs of our federal contractor clients. And this Fed Talks podcast is a series where we will bring to the listening audience an inside look into some of the topics and issues facing government contractors today. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Fed Talks, a Baker Tilly podcast. I'm your host, Derek Boyd, and with me today are a couple of my Baker Tilly colleagues. Joe McCaffrey is a partner with Baker Tilly's Government Contractor Advisory Services Practice and has worked both as a consultant for and internal to government contractors in many different facets, including writing and implementing policies and procedures. John Hyman is a director with Baker Tilly and is an expert in designing and documenting compliant government contractor business systems. Welcome, Joe. Welcome, John. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for having me. So today's topic is super exciting. I know you guys are real excited to talk policies and procedures. So any government contractor business systems, policies and procedures are a pretty basic requirement. And uh, any compliant government contractor business systems needs to have good policies and procedures, documenting what you do. Um, The level of detail needed in these documents may not be as clear. So as simple as documenting a policy and procedure can be pretty confusing and a source of consternation among government contractors. So uh, do we, you know, just dust them off once a year and this is the policy or is this something that we live and breathe and die by every single day? So, you know, just working with different clients that we've had, I often get asked, like, how many policies do I need as a government contractor? Is there something unique or interesting about being a contractor that has to have new policies and procedures? So what would you guys say if you're asked, you know, how many policies do I need? How many procedures do I need? What do I need to include in them? Well, to kind of go back to your, uh, the question before the question is, you know, uh, is this something I dust off once a year, or what is you know kind of what's the overall purpose of the policies here? And um, I think you know whether you're a government contractor or, or any other business, um, policies and procedures you know kind of serve a unique purpose or, or multiple purposes. Um, but one of the the big ones that I like to think about too, and another common. Uh, business system requirement is, you know, from an internal control perspective, if we're talking internal controls, you know, policies and procedures are kind of the backbone of those controls and how you get consistent results out of your contractor business system um, and the different processes um, and, and, you know, what you're trying to implement as an organization. But, you know, Joe, what do you think about the number of policies you need? Well, yeah, to echo what John's saying, you know, Policies and procedures aren't something that's just specific to government contractors. It forms the backbone of a good governance program overall for a company. Around, but then to go to, well, how many policies and procedures should you have? What do they actually look like? You know, are they dusted off once a year to your point? And the answer is the great consultant answer. It depends what (laughs) your, what your business looks at like. And, you know, I think the approach that we take a lot of time isn't, you know, you need these five or six specific policies in order to, you know, meet an auditor's expectation. It's more around what as a business do you want to make sure, you know, you're covering policy stand from a standpoint and what are those areas and whether that's, you know, a separate accounts receivable and a separate billing policy, so two separate pieces of paper, um, or whether you have one combined document, you know, that's sort of less important. So how many is not the right question. The, mm-hmm. the question to be asked is, well, what do I need to include in them? 
So do you think that different business systems kind of lend themselves to more clarity or um, specifics about what need to be included? How, how do you advise your clients on how to you know, focus on certain policies and procedures and make sure that they include the right things? You know, John, you mentioned internal controls. How do you just write into a procedure, and my internal controls are boom, 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 or is it got to be you know, more targeted and nuanced than that? Well, I don't want to get into a, a deep dive on internal control, but usually your internal controls are kind of baked into your process. It's, it's the control activities that people perform to ensure that your business process is working appropriately. And from a policy and procedure perspective, you want to have documents that describe those business processes. From, an, from a system-to-system -system basis, what that looks and feels like is, can be very different. Um, the example I like to, to use from, you know, well, how many policies do I need? Well, it, from a purchasing system and an estimating system perspective, I, I like to think of those as being well-suited to a single procedure or manual, mainly because we're talking in each case about a, a soup-to-nuts individual business process. So you think about a purchasing system, and it starts with a requisition, and it for the most part ends with an award to a subcontractor or the issuance of a purchase order, but there's kind of this very defined beginning and end to that specific process. Uh, when you start talking about the accounting system, um, well, that's a bunch of different business processes all kind of grouped together, whether it's a billing process or recording labor or calculating indirect cost rates. Those you know, those different things don't necessarily happen all at the same time or by the same people. Um, so, and, and the control points are uh, quite different in those processes. So that might lend itself to more than one procedure for each sub-process so, so organizing around business processes and the, that the documentation centers around that and layering in the controls that you're, should be, you know, as a grown-up company and grown-up government contractor already included in those processes, but you know, as you're pointing out, different business systems have different processes or sub-processes that relate to that. Yeah, and especially around the accounting system, the government auditors or oversight is, are, are focused on how costs are recorded and how invoices and other reports of cost are being generated and reported in the government. There's a lot of other processes that an accounting department's typically doing that the government may not be as concerned about as it relates to balance sheet activity or equity um, or statements of cash flows and things like that, which you may still as a company want to have policies and procedures around, um, but you may not be handing those policies and procedures over to the government. Right, so those are the six key business systems that um, the DFARS clauses incorporate into contracts for U.S. federal contractors, estimating uh, earned value, materials management, accounting, per, uh, procurement and purchasing, government property. Those are kind of the key business systems that uh, matter, sorry, go ahead. And just to build off of what Joe was saying, as far as, you know, some things you're gonna hand over, you know, under a government audit, sometimes the auditors might not ask for certain policies and procedures that you have as a business, but I mean, thinking about that too, the contents of your policies, um, what I always like to tell my clients is that the most important thing is that your procedures, your policies are 
are designed for your company and your business processes, but then you take those that you think are important from a government compliance perspective or might get more audit scrutiny, and you do want to make sure that you're checking the box for those you know, DFARS criteria. Do we have controls to help uh, ensure the company is being compliant with the criteria, and where do those fit within my process? The, I, I, you know, what I uh, see occasionally, and I think is, is you know, not it's not a, a best practice, is just building a policy that you think an auditor is going to like, um, and then at the end of the day, your company may not be operating that way, or may not be doing the procedure that way. You're really just setting yourself up to not comply with what the procedure says, even if the auditor can quickly check all the boxes from a policy right. perspective. Point being, it's just as bad to have a policy that you don't even follow as it is to not have a policy or procedure right. in the first place. Yep. Yeah, and, and it is it is a frequent question that we get, which is, don't you just have an off-the-shelf policy or set of policies that you can give me so I can pass, for example, a pre-award accounting system? Yeah, just get the binder off yeah, your we'll, bookshelf we'll just it off. and hand it to them. Um, you know, but they should really be tailored to what your business looks like, um, both how you're organized and then you know what products or services you're actually delivering, because your processes may look different. And you know, so I, I advise clients, and I, I think John shares a similar outlook. You know, you want to have a governance process behind the policies and procedures. So, for example, policy is maybe more evergreen and talks about what management's expectations are of the company. Um, it doesn't necessarily talk to how that should be accomplished, though. At the procedural level, that's saying maybe who should be doing an activity and how they're going to accomplish it. But there may be three different ways to get to the end point. Below that level, you may have like a desktop procedure or a job aid that's maybe more day-to-day, -day, you know, the specific buttons or levers in the system to be pushed and pulled um, to, to get to the end Screenshots process. of the steps, yeah. Yeah, that, that's a good point, too, because you can have a, a procedure um, that documents the general process and general control points to make sure that we're getting some consistency. But you know, we've seen, or at least I've seen, businesses that have, you know, in different operating locations, they might be on different softwares or different business. You know, they may have different forms. But at the end of the day, the the process is the same. But you might see a different desk reference for a different system, you know, at different locations. Uh, but at the end of the day, we're achieving the same control points. We have the same level of review and approval and uh, reconciliations to ensure that we're getting to the right answer. So you you could have you could be following the same procedure even with those different lower level desk references. Right. Okay, John, Joe, thank you so much for being here. I'd like to thank you. Thanks. And right, thank also you. thanks to Andrew, my excellent sound engineer, for taking the time to record this. Uh, we all appreciate you listening and you can catch more government contracting topics with Fed Talks at Baker Tilly Podcast, wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts, as well as visiting us online at bakertilly.com. <laughs>